Greg, I got to ask you a question. So, uh, what's a trend in public accounting, like a, maybe an older trend that you noticed <laughs> that people didn't adopt too quickly in firms? Well, well the the oldest trend that comes to my mind, Jason, is a uh, double entry accounting. Uh, going okay. back to that was unexpected. Okay, Luca, going back to Luca Pacioli, uh, and and I, I mean, I don't remember that. I was a little young when that happened. Okay, yeah, I, I was so I, something you noticed, but that's yeah, yeah. But I got, I got to think. I mean, that was such a huge that that had to have been such a huge change that I'm sure there was tons of other accountants in Venice who were like, screw you, Luca, and your double entry accounting. That's that's so you're not making the you're not making this profession better. You're making it worse because now you're doubling my workload. Yeah, he effectually he doubled the workload. And they're like, heck no. This isn't this isn't increasing my my firm's efficiencies. Okay. These monks have stuff to do. We so, got silence to keep and meditation to contemplate. So think about Luca. He's at a he's at a CPA conference, right? Uh-huh. In Venice. Right. <laughs> he's going, With y'all, Mary I swear. Melanson. I Barry Melanson was there. <laughs> and he's going, y'all, I'm serious. Double is better. I know it's double the work, but it is a better way to do it. Double and they're like, it. I'm out of here. I'm into single entry accounting. They, but that, is that what they called it? Single entry accounting? They well, it was just called accounting. Okay. But in fact, just, you know, kind of like uh, North Carolina just used to be called Carolina <laughs> until you and your punk ass state <laughs> came along. But yeah, I think it was just accounting. Okay. But yeah, but but seriously, I mean, because because I have to think that when that started to be promulgated, thank you. <laughs> I, I think I get. 20 points in Scrabble for that. Uh, the uh, w- When double entry started being promulgated, I, there had to have been people, like older monks, who were going, who who is this Pacholi guy? And, and, his, is. and this is just a fad. It's not yeah. going to keep. I'm not no. going to bother with it. And uh, And guess what? Nobody knows any of those guys' names now. Right. But everyone, the world... Around the world, immediately recognizes the name Luca Pacioli. Right. So, welcome to the episode thirty-nine of the Thrivecast. I'm Jason, and I am Greg, and we're so <laughs> we're so glad that you're back once again. We're always glad you're back. We're always glad to be here. This is one of the highlights of my month is uh, doing this it's every fun. time. So, thanks for being part of yeah. my little party, yeah. our little party, our party. So, we're yeah. talking about trends in public accounting and. You know, the, I'm serious. Double entry was a trend, right? And so, and now we're like, seriously, was that ever a trend? Well, there was a way people did it before that, so that's why it. Yeah. Somebody brought it up, mm-hmm. and now before that, before that, I think they just accounted like my my mother in law does, which is they just call the bank and ask how much money is in there. <laughs> and the bank will just they'll tell you whatever they want to tell. They'd be you. like, we don't know because we do the. Thing. We don't keep track either. What? I don't know. Uh, so we're, so we're to, go ahead. So what we want to do is we want to dive into some trends. Yeah, we got some. We got we got lots. We got we got seven. We brainstormed ten, but we know we can't get through that. No, we in can't a, in a in a reasonable amount of time. So we cut it down to to uh, six. To, to six. Did we leave it six or seven? So we left it at six. 
That's right. So you do you do your first one, the one that, that you that you dug. Okay, so trends in public accounting, things we're seeing happen in public accounting now. And mm-hmm. and, and is it safe to define a trend? It's it's becoming popular, but people have not adopted it as a majority. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good way to say it. Well, yeah. Maybe not. It's, no, no, no. I think that's right. It's a trend because it, I think tre- here's here's what I'm thinking about trends. Trends is a direction in which our, our profession, in aggregate, is is going that direction. And some agree with it, and some do not. Right, because we're not there yet, but we're heading that direction. Okay. Which, which, and this is one of the things I, I, uh, I know that there's a uh, there's some kind of quote by about Wayne Gretzky where he was like, uh, if you want to be awesome at hockey, you don't go to where the puck is, you go to where the puck is gonna be. Right. And that's and that's kind of the idea of why we need to care about trends because we're trying to look at where the where the uh, proverbial accounting puck is going, where we think that's gonna be on the proverbial sheet of ice <laughs> upon which accountants all skate skate (laughs) that was a crappy comparison (laughs) that was the best analogy you took it too far okay here's my first trend yes retirement and succession planning okay this okay this was this was huge so um there was well okay uh uh a a humble brag uh it was that uh you and i were both listed in the accounting days top 100 very cool congratulations very congratulations to to you virtual handshake um virtual high five let's do that (laughs) all right okay good (laughs) (laughs) the uh uh but one of the things that they they asked everybody who was included in that list they asked everybody what is the biggest issue facing the accounting profession right now and i didn't read through all of them because i didn't have that kind of time right but uh but i did notice i read through several and it seemed like it was succession planning succession planning Mm. succession planning and everybody is either worried about succession planning or there's a lot of consultants who are making a lot of money on concession uh-huh. succession planning. I almost said concession planning. <laughs> are we Same gonna thing. have are we gonna have hot dogs at halftime? <laughs> we gotta plan this out. That's right. The, no succession planning. And uh and yeah, so okay, so what do you what what are your thoughts about this whole succession thing? Well, okay, so I think, you know, obviously what's driving succession planning is uh, it's a demographics type, you know, re- retirement thing with older baby boomers. I think that's what's driving yeah. a lot of this, right? They're running firms and uh-huh. they're going, uh, okay, how do I get out of this now? Because I got to yeah. retire. Yeah. And how do I pass this firm on to the uh-huh. next generation? I, th- I yes. think is kind of the that's the gist of the deal. And now consultants are coming in going. You don't have a plan, so they're creating plans within right. the partner, and then maybe they're bringing in you know younger partners, uh-huh. and they're starting you know to make sure the younger partners can pay for their retirement, basically, so that the firm can pay them out over the rest of their life. I think yeah. I think that's what they're doing. Okay, so here's here's a couple questions. Do you uh, are, do you think there's a lot of uh, CPAs who their retirement plan is my my retirement is selling <laughs> my 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 uh, my practice or my my partnership interest in my practice. Well, I, I think that that could possibly be part of it. And, you know, we're talking about something here that if an older partner maybe listened to it, he could he or she could kind of slam us because we don't totally know. But I think possibly because we're, so, we're so young. Right. We're so young and we're not talking about retirement right now. We're in the throes of our careers trying I to know. build them. That's what we're doing. I, I know. We're still skating hard on that uh, ice. That proverbial uh <laughs> 
ice of Hockey accounting. Of yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, selling your firm is one way to retire. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's that, – I think what they're – okay, so here's the foundational part to the succession planning is they're saying there is value in my share of this firm. Uh-huh. I want to start le- – I want to start uh, working less, and I want to leave. So there is value. So how do I get money for my value? Right. Is Right. right. And that money – is basically some of my retirement, though they probably have a you know big retirement account as well. Okay, I would now, think that's how they're thinking. Here's two things that I think about uh, come to my mind with succession planning. First off, is something that I learned from uh, from my BFF Dan Ariely mm-hmm. that says that you we overvalue stuff that we have uh, because we have it and because we worked a lot for it. Nice. Um, it, but although actually, I guess that's the weird thing is that he even did some experiments where there's people who worked just as hard for stuff and didn't end up getting it that valued that same thing less than the person who actually got it. Uh, read, read predictably irrational people. Yeah. Um, actually, really, it is good. Uh, but uh, but so I kind of wonder if that's one of the things that's in there. Uh, plus, I think that there's a whole lot of risk with the succession planning. Here, here's a story. Uh, I touched on it on my blog post this month about my mom. My mom owned a pharmacy, mm-hmm. and she uh, there was value in her pharmacy. And tr- she was an independent pharmacist, so she just had kind of the you know the corner pharmacy in the in our in our hometown. Yep. And uh, the 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 commonplace thing for prior to her owning her pharmacy is that one is it was very similar to accounting once you're ready to go there was uh there were other pharmacies that you know other people who would want to buy your pharmacy nice. and and just take it over or there was a way where you could sell all of your records to a competitor you know somebody else in the same town hmm. and say hey we're closing our doors but the folks over at the you know at at, at the drugstore that we used to hate they're going to they're going to take care of you real good now so go over there and people would pay good money for that kind of stuff yeah. cuz they get a whole bunch of more more business now my mom she got stuck uh in in the in a big change where the independent pharmacy was it, it was going out every right. when she started they there weren't pharmacies in uh in grocery stores and now all of a sudden You've got two things. You've got all your Walgreens and CVSs, right. which are doing a lot of business, and you also have every. And nowadays, you you can't find a grocery store without a pharmacy in it. Right. I think maybe Whole Foods because they they get their medicine uh, in Colorado. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm um, talking about. But no, anyway, so she got that's big. She got screwed. She got screwed. She got right. zero money. So she locked her doors and walked away. And I think every accountant realized that's a possibility. So what would you say to your mom now? Would you look back and go, let's say she was like this, you know, business owner and she wanted to get multiple. Let's say she's going to, you know, go get five or six pharmacies and really become the CEO of pharmacy chain. Would you say, mom, you got to note the trends that are happening. You have to adapt to the trends. If you don't, you're going to get caught with your proverbial skirt down. There was. Did your mom a, wear skirts? Sorry. Uh, it, I, I, that whole analogy made me super uncomfortable. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Let's move on from that. <laughs> but well, well, here's the thing. I, I should, if you're that was such a different thing. Her again, her business was so she had a she had a lot of challenges with her business. She got her store got burnt down by an arsonist uh, five years in. Okay, like, to the ground. So she and she had a her, her partnership was a, was a mess. So there was a whole lot of other things. But the weird thing is, I don't think there was a lot she could do 
because because the trend in she 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 entered into the profession uh at the uh, owning her own business at at a point in a trend where it was going towards big chain pharmacies and the, and and I don't know if there's really a way that you can say I set up my 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 entire model is different than the trend well i think but but let me push back on that because okay. as back. we apply this to the accounting, public accounting world, I think you're giving permission to people to do what they've always been doing, which is say, there's nothing I can do. Uh, My model is this. I can't change it. And that that is not true. We're going to talk about one trend that we changed it, and it was hard. And it is something that uh, we had to do. Um, and so I think it is a big deal that you you do need to you do need to know, and people listening need to know you can change your firm if you. Now I know there are firms that are harder to change than others. I know that bigger firms are harder to change with more partners. It's harder to change the more if you're more of a generalist, you're gonna it's gonna be harder to change. Um, but I think what we want to focus on on this trend, this retirement and succession planning trend, is that um, you can change your firm. Your firm, if you see, if you see, you should change it. I guess that's what we're saying. I don't know. Are we getting off topic on this retirement thing again? Let me mention something about retirement too. I I view retirement now differently than probably a sixty-five or seventy-year-old CPA partner because. I don't really – now, I'm only 43, so I don't have huge plans to retire. I I plan for my firm to continue to change over time. What do you think about that? Are you saying you don't plan to retire ever? I I don't plan to retire the way the way people think of retirement. Okay. Well, I, I don't plan to. Okay, that's interesting. I don't. I've always decided that I should probably work till I'm dead. I, that's but, see. I think but, that's a common thing between people. Are at Gen Xers. That's what we are. Is uh, that retirement is this thing? And at sixty five, bam, you, you shut it off and you go home. Yeah. For and, that's what that's what's like for baby boomers. Right. But yeah. see there but that same model is what the trend is. The trend is they uh, still believe that exists and gen gen right. Xers like us go, I don't uh, think that exists for right. us. And it's almost like it's not because we're gonna be so rich we can do what we want. I think we're we're saying actually we get to choose to change things in a way mm-hmm. that fit the model of how we want to work. So certainly right. at sixty five I'm gonna be doing a lot less work than I am now. But right, right, right. It will be a different kind of work. I don't yeah. think I'm going to just stop working. I think that's it, and I and I think you nailed it right there. I think that's a that's a big part of I think retirement is that it's it's more of a semi retirement, and and it's funny because it really it's like the Cal, it's like Cal Newport for people with gray hair, where it's like you should be building this uh, this uh, a career capital right. over the course of your entire career, so that you're able to to leverage that 
so that your workday is more and more what you really like to do right. and less and less of the bull crap that you hate. And then as you get older, you kind of go, hey, guess what? This feels like retirement because I'm only doing the stuff that I dig now. Right. That's so, cool. So what's another yeah. trend? You pick one. Another trend. Let's uh, let's check this out. Uh, how about uh, pricing instead of billing? That's a trend? That's a trend. People, uh, you know, the, it's it's one of those things that comes up, you know, and we've seen we've seen people get so mad about this whole thing. Oh, yeah. With the with pricing and, and you know, billing by that. The funny thing is, and here's the thing, I'll go. I'll say this. I'll say this right say now. Say it. I do in my OK. Uh, I'm, I'm launching comedy CPE. Boom. Uh, that's my that's my business. I do an ethics course that I got right now. And I tell people that billing by the hour is not helping you to to achieve the highest levels of professional ethics. Um, See, I, I think that, that ticks people off. Well, it is in that in that in that interesting trends. Trends can be so new and so early that people get mad when they hear them. Uh-huh. I think that's kind of what we're still seeing with pricing. Whereas retirement think- succession planning, it's like. Eh, y'all do the way you want to do it. We'll do it the way we want to do it. But pricing uh, still uh, is people get mad, right? At this, Pe- people get mad. Because, but the, and I think a lot of it, here's here's part of my thought is that accountants as a as a breed of people we we hate being wrong. <laughs> we <laughs> want to be right. You, we hate being. We can't be wrong. That's like in our in our genetic code is we can't be wrong. And when you come up and you say, "Guess what? Billing by the hour is the wrong way to do stuff," and you've been doing that forever and you've gotten very comfortable with that, then people go, "Screw you! Who are you telling me that I'm wrong? I'm an accountant. I, I, <laughs> I just calculated get, the bill. I, exactly. I, just I wrote, multiplied. I'm making, I'm making money. That's right. Well, and that's what they say. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if that's what they said to Luca Pacioli. That's what they said to Luca pa- Pacioli. They're like, I'm, it's I'm, working. I'm making money just entering it one time, stupid. <laughs> You're doing it twice? What an <laughs> idiot. So, okay, is that but, the, but totally true? Is that the foundation that, of a trend? Is that the foundation of a trend where people is that pushback on a trend saying what I'm doing's working? Why do I do a new thing when what I'm doing's working? Is that is that a default for almost not adopting every trend? Yeah, I think yeah, for sure. Well, well isn't that a legitimate pushback from people then? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's funny. So I re-listened to a bunch of uh, old podcasts with my wife on a, on a road trip we took this summer. And we li- we re-listened to the thing with Tim Williams, who's going to be at what? Deeper Weekend Boom in what? November. People better sign up. I know. They better. I, we were just talking before we started recording how excited I am for that. Anyways, yep. Tim Williams said he used to hang out with Stephen Covey. The Yeah, that's Stephen yep. Covey. Yep. And uh, and Stephen Covey went to some place in like Peru yeah. or something like that. And uh, and he on this engagement, people had hired him, and he said, "You know what, guys? I can't help you right now because you're you're not in enough pain right now. Something like that. You're not you you don't you have to be hurting more than you're hurting right now for 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 change to effectively happen. And without that motivation, without that impetus for change, I'm I'm just a giant windbag. I think he said. I think Stephen Covey said that's a quote. Windbag. <laughs> I think that's on the back of seven habits without the right pain, comma, without the right impetus for change, comma, I'm just a giant windbag. <laughs> so basically, Stephen Covey. So basically, what you're saying is 
People don't change when they note trends because the pain is not high enough yeah, to, go, what they got now to prove that it's better uh, mm-hmm. to adopt that thing. Right. Well, but, is there any but, industry that does it well? Is there any industry that goes, I'm going to jump on the first freaking trend I see because I love to ride trends? Or is, are we as humans just like that? I, it seem, I, I, my, my knee-jerk reaction is that humans are just like that. Um, but so, it some does, people are worse than others. Uh, well, and I think some industries are better than others. I want to say that the you know that a lot of the the uh, the tech industry that that they make their money by saying uh, you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on this and leverage this as fast as I can. Yeah. So I think there are some changes, and that's and that's the thing, and that's that's why the tech industry's taken over the world, and no one is ever no one is saying the accounting industry's taken over the world, right? So are, are we gonna like end these trends and say if they're good or not, or what people should do? Like uh, the first, well, the first one, succession planning. It's I mean, is that get good? a plan for succession? I think I think it's just I I think that's a trend just because it's a, it seems like a big deal with with uh. I guess you know what maybe that doesn't even meet our our definition of trend. Maybe, maybe not cuz cuz it sounds like what you're saying is that's going to go away in 10 years and not cuz well, retirement will happen with all these the baby boomers. Or another way of saying it is that there's been people retiring for a long long time and there will still be people retiring for a long long time. It's an issue, not a trend. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Okay. I think pricing is a trend. Pricing is a trend because it's a fundamental change in how you view and believe you should run a firm. And I'm a believer that if you're doing fixed price agreements and value pricing for fixed price agreements are going to eventually eat the lunch of bill of, of I think of, so of a uh, hourly billing because because nobody hate nobody likes the uncertainty well, of, of right. hourly billing. Well, and let's just say it: the reason I we think it's going to you know, value pricing firms are going to eat the lunch of hourly billing firms is because it's just a superior model of totally. pricing services. And, and it's a superior and, and well, and, and getting on to our next one, let's talk about hiring talent. Cool. Next. That's I think the, the third thing is trend. That, that's the third trend. And again, maybe not, I, I might, I might be double, I might be uh, doubling back on myself. That might just be an issue, but we'll talk, we'll talk, we'll get into that. But when you get into hiring talent, I I am confident that a firm that is uh, that is value pricing that's doing fixed price agreements, uh, you know, scoping and change orders. When you're doing all that stuff right, you are you're creating a better environment for your staff, right. and you're you're making a more attractive workplace for people to come. And if there really is a shortage of qualified accounting staff, you better make your firm as attractive as you can. And and I and like I said, I'm convinced that the value pricing, fixed price agreements, that does uh that makes your firm a better place for your for your staff, not just for your customers. Yeah. So another another thing about this third trend hiring talent is that I think we're we're seeing some some statistics from the AICPA that the people that are going to retire, there's not enough people, you know, in the accounting school pipeline to replace them. So right. so that that just, you know, emphasizes your point which is hiring talent's going to become a harder issue in the future. Right. Maybe it's right. maybe it is an issue, not a trend, but it is going it is headed towards being a problem. Yeah. Because well, we can get better people as a virtual value pricing firm than we could as a as an as another firm. 
type of yeah thing. i i think that's i mean and you're you 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 are those things you're a virtual firm and you're a value pricing firm do you think do you feel like it's easier for you to get people than than uh for for the 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 rank and file firm well i i think hiring people is still that's just a skill you have as a business owner that's right. hard and right. so we've totally messed that up but yeah no i think we've attracted better people definitely because of our the way our firm model is set up Right. So we have people that we have attracted uh, because of that. So I think hiring talent is just, I think that's always an issue. That is probably going to always be an issue forever. Right. Well, it's an, it's an issue. It's always an issue forever. And I think that's, I think that's evidenced with, you know, like Jim Collins and good to great, uh, where you got to get the right people on the bus. But I think, I think we're talking about two things. So the issue is Getting the right people on the bus is always a hard thing, and it's always a hugely important thing right. for every single firm, every single business, right. not just for firms, right. for businesses. But the issue or the trend that we're seeing is we don't have enough supply of new accountants right. to meet the demand of accounting work that's available. So you've got an issue for people who are trying to hire. And that is that you have to you you have to fight and grapple for for new accountants. Yeah, I guess I guess the trend for the ranking, you know, for for just your 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 account your CPAs individually, if you're not owning a firm, is kind of nice because you're probably going to be more valuable. Yeah. So let's jump to another trend. Maybe we'll skip number six. Okay. But uh, another one trend I'm seeing, and I think this is a trend. Uh-huh. Is our virtual firms? Yes, our firm is virtual. And let me talk about what virtual means. I think it could mean two things. Okay, one could be, um, yeah, we serve people virtually, meaning we have an office. The team, you know, the, all of our staff comes to the office. We still uh-huh. have to go to work, but yeah, uh-huh. we're virtual. We serve clients all over the country, so that's one form of virtual. Probably okay. is how people yes. define it. But our, the way I define it is just a different way, which is we we closed the door on our brick-and-mortar firm, told people, you cannot come to our office anymore because it does not exist, and our team is now remotely distributed to their homes. They right. work in their homes and do what they want. And mm-hmm. so that's what I mean by virtual. And I think, I think this is a trend because here's why this is a trend. I don't mm-hmm. think virtual is necessarily a strategy everybody should do. Okay. I don't think it's right for everybody. So, it, but I'm seeing more and more people try it or want to do it or see it fit more into their lifestyle, and they're trying it, and it actually works. That's the thing. Yeah, it's a trend. It it is something that works. So you get to pick now, brick and mortar or virtual. You can have one or the other. You just have to pick. Right. Do you think are are the economics of a virtual firm? Do they make sense? Oh man, yeah. Do, do you say? Do you say, Are you saving a lot of overhead? I've, I've got to. I've got to assume you're, that the the major the major expense of a firm of a brick and mortar firm is that lease well, for that brick and mortar. This is interesting. I, so I've had this conversation before. That is the perception. Uh-huh. And but what we did is we've got the same expenses because we rolled all of that right into paying our team. We, oh, nice. We're giving them more stuff. There you go. And so I think most of the time you're going to see the economics of the of a virtual firm. The, the The reason you do it is not to save money, though that's what people always think. That's the benefit. The mm-hmm. reason to do it is that you gain control over your nice. life. That's what you uh, get. Uh, you interesting. Get, yeah. You gain control over your life. Gain control over your life. Yeah. That's good. So that your, your work 
wraps around your lifestyle and it's not the other way around. Right. Like you don't have this big hole in your life from from nine to six every day, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. that you don't get to live your life. You got to do what somebody else tells you to do. But in a virtual firm, it's you you work when you want to work. Right. We you know the firm serves you. Yeah, that, that's it, really so. So what? So part of what you're saying is if you're able to that. Yeah, I, I love that because because one of the things that's so clear to me. Uh, it, and it's becoming clear every day just with, you know, cause I, I'm a CPA and I work in industry, so I don't have my own firm. And I, and what we're ever since I got, ever since my, I hit the ground at this company that I work for right now, it's been a, it's been a huge thing about cutting expenses and, and, and our, we were spending way too much stuff on things that did not matter. Right. But eventually, and what we see, and actually I've seen it with some of our, it's, I, I work for a group of medical office buildings. There's one uh, medical office buildings. I don't know if I said that well enough. There's one occupant that we have that they're also cutting costs, and they've cut themselves so deep that I don't think they can really grow mm. and ever really succeed. Oh, because wow! Because they've cut their expenses too deep, and I'm afraid that our that the current direction of the management of these buildings in general is going to drive us to the same to the same thing which would be obviously a shame and i like what you're saying cuz you're saying going virtual isn't for cutting expenses right it's for redeploying the money that was tied up in a lease ah, to get your great talent. That's cool. To, to get awesome technology so that you guys can kick butt right. as a virtual firm. That that's that's cool. So we're redeploying the resources. Yeah. And we've poured it into two things. You're right. Technology. We have much uh-huh. better technology. Yeah. Uh, and uh human resources. We have yeah. we have redeployed it into those. So that is, that is cool. So that's a trend, but just know yeah. why you're doing it. Uh, it's yeah. not best for everybody. And maybe our last trend is... But, ni- but wait, one, one more thing about oh. virtual before yeah, yeah. I get there. I th- this is one of the coolest things. And, and, and part of me, it, 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 the thing that I love is that when I have people who ask me, because I get asked a lot by, by people if I'll do their taxes, and, and, and these people don't understand I'm not that kind of accountant. <laughs> uh, despite, despite the jokes in my comedy set, I'm not that kind of accountant. Right. And, uh, but the great thing is, is now I can, now I can't, I can say, you know what, I, I don't, you know, you live in Salt Lake City, I don't necessarily have any relationship with great firms in Salt Lake City. I live about 45 minutes away from there. Yeah. But you know, it doesn't matter because I've got great relationships with a bunch of firms all over the country right. that are virtual, at least in the first sense, if not in the second sense that you said, Jason. Right. And I can hook you up with them and they're going to take great care of yeah. you. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. So yeah, what, what we're, what we're, here's what we're learning in virtual firms. And again, it's a trend because older firms, I don't think have learned this, Zip codes do not matter anymore. Right. No, no longer right. is your geographical area have anything to do with the growth of your business. So, right. but think about it. That's a huge change. I mean, your totally. cha- your chamber of commerce is a local based community networking type social uh, structure. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not it's really not needed anymore. Though you mm-hmm. can still use it. Again, I'm saying you can pick well, what you want. And I think it's like I mean. It, the, and the whole thing with a virtual firm is that it, a lot of the work experience is a social experience. Right. So you, and, and I think that there's there's a 
there's a uh, there's a there's a difference in terms of the quality of a social interaction that's completely online versus one that's physical physically present. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think that I think mm. that there's a different maybe, and maybe I said a difference in quality. There's just a difference in terms of your virtual friends versus your, I agree. your uh, brick and mortar friends. Right. I agree. Made out of brick and mortar. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, but so, so you've got to make sure that you're, you're taking care of yourself socially, I guess is what I'm, you're, you're filling that need of people to be together. What's, you know, so, and I think that, I think your chamber of commerce can fill that. Right. Yeah. Local, so, yep. but but it's almost like it's funny because it's almost like fulfilling a need for a different reason. Well, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think so, you're just highlighting the importance of the social interaction of networking and marketing. You can do it online or you can do it locally, and you just get to pick. Yeah, well, and I think it's just good to have friends that you can actually shake their hands in real life. So, True. and maybe that's more that's more the 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 purpose of a rotary, right? Yeah. Club. So I think uh, we're we're kind of out of time for our part, right? Well, let's hit the last one: niche services. Good, or, good thing or bad thing, Jason? Okay, just totally good. Good. Okay, good. We covered them. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's get uh, let's try to get Caleb on the line. But before we do that, we got to give some shout outs. Yes, we do to our sponsors. Right. So we have one sponsor, and it's Avalara. Uh-huh. And Amazing group. They have been with us forever. And so obviously a lot of people know Avalara. So they're the they're the as you say, the king of sales tax compliance. Isn't that what you say every time? They they are the they're the reigning monarch. Reigning monarch of, of sales, sales tax compliance. Of they, sales I mean, tax compliance. They are the one and only name as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, and I think a lot of people um might if they're a sales tax firm. You know, if they do retail, they they want to use Avalara. But yeah. they're, they're also, for the little bitty CPA, you can just run, you know, just those people who have uh, a few different products. Or maybe you have one client that does some retail, especially if you're if they're doing, if you have clients doing retail online, that's even more dangerous because then you got problems with where you ship stuff, um, you know, which rates right. you use depending right. on where you drop ship things, especially if right. you're using one of the 15 Amazon fulfillment centers. You're, you know, that stuff's scary, but Avalara takes the fear out of sales tax compliance. So they've been our sponsor forever, the whole time, right. and we're thankful for them, man. I know, big time. And we also want to give a huge shout-out to our other sponsor, Avalara.com. They're the king of sales tax compliance. <laughs> to learn more, go to Avalara.com. Uh, their chief revenue officer is Pascal Van Duren. He's also on the uh, top 100 list. Just, uh, Boom. FYI. Yeah, Boom. He's, that's how influential, that's how huge sales tax compliance is. So thanks, Avalara. Let's... Uh, Let's get that uh, that Newquist dude. Yeah, we've got Caleb Newquist. He's going to talk to us about trends, and he's coming at it from a, a media and reporting on the accounting profession perspective. And he's just like a real interesting dude. So yep. let's get Caleb online. Yep. All right, we're back talking about accounting trends, Greg, with the infamous and the uh-huh. famous Caleb Newquist, and he is editor-in-chief of Accounting Web and Going Concern. People know who this dude is. What's up, Caleb? Welcome to the Thrivecast. Hi, guys. It's really exciting to be here. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. So, it's awesome. Yeah, so, so are we, man. I'm, it's it's uh, 
uh, most of the people that come on this show, with the exception of some of the authors, are folks that that I that I know in some manner. But I'd say uh, of of the guests that we have, you're you're one of the guys that I that I know uh, better than most. Yeah, and uh, and so it's cool that cool to have a, a pal. A pal a is on, on yeah, the show. Yeah, in fact, I'm I'm kind of disappointed that it's taken this long. But Jason and I just met, so I Ooh. understand I understand right. the. Uh, that this is why this is my first time, <laughs> right? Which, well, okay, and so we're, and we're super psyched to get you on here because you're you're you 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 occupy a really interesting place yes. in the accounting profession. That's what people seem to think. Um, yeah. Well, you don't think <laughs> it's interesting because you live there, but for the rest right. of that's, us looking in, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. So so go ahead, Jason. Well, we so we've been okay. So Greg and I on the podcast have been talking about accounting trends. And probably ticking off half the profession, which is fine. And we want to get your yeah. spin on some of those. And which here's the spin we like. We like that yep. you're part of media news and you write about this. And as the yep. editor in chief, of course, you you're part of the publishing part of all this, so you see a bigger picture of what trends are. But before yep. we get your views on some of those, we um it's weird. You you came from the accounting profession and now you're a media hack, as you would say. <laughs> that's 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 true. So we wonder yes. how did that happen? Can you can you tell us like real quick how that happened? I can. You want the abbreviated version? Pro- yeah, probably. Okay, I'll give you the abbreviated version. Um, I was a CPA for about six years. Where? Uh, I I started my career at a, a boutique firm here in Denver, uh, doing tax and audit work for the most part. And um, I did that for a couple of years. I joined a big four firm um, in 2005. Which one? Uh, KPMG. Okay. They, they're still around. They are still around by, by the grace of God. <laughs> and, <laughs> any, any fraud? To, oh, anyway, go ahead. Uh, and a um, uh, uh, little uh, footnote to that. I was interviewing at KPMG right when they were settling uh, the ta- their tax shelter case with the Department of Justice, when mm-hmm. they, they paid like a $500 million fine, and they, were, uh, they were very close to being indicted. Oh, so that man. Was, that, was, that was interesting. I, I was kind of thinking that I, I, want, I believe I asked one of the people that, I was, that was interviewing me if there was uh, the chance that there might not be a firm right. <laughs> in, in, a, in a few months. Um, but... Just one little question: Are y'all gonna be right. around to hire me? <laughs> right. Well, that's the that's the obligatory question of the inter, of the interviewer is: Well, do, do you have any questions for us that you'd like to ask? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Is this place going down in a giant ball of flames? That's my number one question. <laughs> right. Um, so then I spent I spent three and a half years at KPMG um, in in Denver and uh, New York. And um, uh, in 2009, I was, well, around that time, um, my last year at KPMG, I started uh, blogging. Um, I set up a couple of blogs because I was living in New York and um, I didn't have any family out there. So in order to kind of keep them up with my big city adventures or whatever you want to call it, (laughs) uh, I, I started a couple of blogs. And so... Um, one of those blogs became me writing about my life as a CPA and all the pitfalls and annoying things about it. 
And um, I did that for about, I did that for about nine or 10 months. Cool. Um, and around February of uh, 09, I got in touch, well, a blog that I read regularly called uh, Deal Breaker uh, put out an ad that was looking for someone to write about accounting. The, the, the publisher of Deal Breaker was looking to talk to somebody about it. And so I sent them an email, and I sent them my uh, links to my blogs. And um, a guy by the name of David Latt, who's uh, best known for founding a website called Above the Law, got in touch with me and said, hey, this looks, this looks pretty good. Will you send over a resume? Cool. And um, I was over the moon, like I was jumping, jumping up and down on the bed. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, so I quickly sent sent him my resume, and then I didn't hear from him hear from him for like two months, and uh, that was in that time. My girlfriend at the time w- had been was fed up with me not working because I had got laid off and I was unemployed, and so I got a job, and then a couple months into that job, when uh, my girlfriend and I had broken up and I wasn't liking this job and I was completely miserable. Uh, the guys at Breaking Media got back to me and said, hey, sorry, it's been a couple months, but do you still want to do this? Or are you still interested? And I said, uh, yes. And um, we started talking, and they offered me to be the founding editor of a site they were going to call Going Concern. Boom. And we, and, and we launched in July of 2009. And, wow. And so, the, rest is, the rest is history. Everybody knows what Going Concern is. Yeah, it seems to be that way. I, I talk to people around the country on a pretty regular basis, um, strangers and acquaintances, and that's what people say that everyone everyone knows what everyone knows going concern. Yeah, that's fantastic. What do you think? Uh, in my mind, going concern serves an important role in the profession because it because going concern has a free pass to call BS on anything that needs to be called right. on anything that that's not, not even that needs to be it, it, going concern will call BS on the profession when BS is in, in the profession. And I feel like that's, that's hugely important. Do you see any kind of, I mean, how, how have you seen that work out? Has that just been people hate you or has there been really change that's been affected through that? Uh, there is a lot of um, there is a lot of irrit- irritated people out there. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, I, I think especially in the beginning, um, it was such a it was it was it was kind of people were just surprised. They couldn't believe the things uh-huh. that we were putting on the internet. And I mean, we <laughs> <Right>. were and <laughs> right. and it's it's I don't know. It was just kind of and this these are these are kinds of. Accounting, I guess, especially the biggest firms, the largest firms, mm-hmm. have have had enjoyed such kind of a long history of um, just being ignored by media in general. Yeah. yeah, and so for an entire website to be dedicated to that profession and uh-huh. and 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 trying to kind of corral a lot of the people that work in it uh-huh. um, to give them a sounding board, basically. Um, that was, that was a big deal and yeah, yeah, it, 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 it irritated a lot of people, but then we also had a host of people coming up and saying, thank you for this, for all kinds of different reasons. 
you know, one being kind of the fourth estate, but also yeah. Yeah. Uh, a community and, and places where people could talk about their lives. Well, in the, what's in, interesting, in the firms. but there was already accounting news sites like Accounting Web. Sure. You know, run by SIF Media. But, but Going Concern was a different purpose. And did they tell you that? They said, we want this to be an in-your-face kind of say-what-we-want-to-say, call BS on the profession news site. Or did it just evolve into that? Or did you lead it into that on purpose? Well, so, so David Latt, the guy I mentioned earlier, David David's site above the law has been around since 2006. Uh, I think it's 2006. And when I, when I spoke with David, um, you know, his in his mind, it was it was you know going concern was to be the above the law for the accounting profession, ah. and that meant gossip. That meant mm-hmm. talking about money, <laughs> and that meant and that meant covering covering kind of you know salacious stories that wouldn't be covered that otherwise just wouldn't be covered because we all know that those kinds of things were going on in these firms, mm. but. And and that then that people like to gossip. I mean, accountants are gossipy. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so yeah. Human, was, human humans are gossipy. Right. right. Well, they're, they're, and um, so it was. It, it it kind of started there, and then yes, it kind of it kind of it kind of um, it kind of grew into a lot of different things. We started giving career advice, and yeah, we've always been. We've always recognized BS. Uh, when we get a whiff of it, and so it's it's kind of fun to kind of say, uh, no, that's not that's actually not true. You know, you are that is that is a big pile of yeah. you know what. So <laughs> yeah, so well, you, it, it's 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 kind of it's kind of all it's always been an element, but I think it's it's you know it's always been a part of the narrative, and I think that's I don't know we we've always tried to maintain that. And it, and it's more about good writing because you're, you know, as a writer, and, and Greg, of course, Greg writes for you guys, and Adrian, you you guys are craftspeople, so y'all are like good writers. <laughs> uh, that to, to a degree. <laughs> well, it, it seems that's part of it. Going concern yeah. is about you know not just calling BS and gossipy, but it's about let's let's do some good writing that we enjoy to re- right. enjoy reading, which is yeah. kind of different from other accounting news sites normally. I, I mean that's that's definitely true. I mean writing is something I was thinking about this morning as before I came on the show. I was at my first job. I was asking one of the the senior managers, a guy who'd been in the profession a long time, uh, old Anderson guy, and I, I and I had a good relationship with him. And I was like, first year, second year, you know, didn't know anything. Um, and I I remember approaching him and saying, Hey, have you ever done any writing like in, you know, at all about any of this stuff? And he kind of his response was kind of you know interested, but um, you know he, it sounded like. He, he hadn't done a lot, but I, for some reason, I, I thought he would kind of maybe be a good mentor for something like that. I don't know, mm. but there was an interest from my, from my standpoint, there was an interest, you know, right away. And I had always been interested in writing. And so, yeah, blogs were kind of a godsend for me. I mean, right. just being able to throw something up on the web and start writing and see if people read it. And, um, Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it's a it's a fun it's a fun place. It's a fun publication to write for as one of your minions. I I'm speaking, <laughs> and right. uh, you know it's because it is a cool place because it's not just about it's not just about facts. Like pe- people expect to read something and to be entertained, whether it's the titillation yeah. of gossip or whether it's actual you know f- funny punchlines that we're able to put in those posts. And yep. and and we get rewarded for that instead of uh, punished for that, which is generally the case for for snark and comedy in our in our profession. So yeah. I think that's another differentiation out of there. True. So, well, let's let's start hitting these uh, these trends. Let's man. do it. Yeah, let's do it. Yep. So uh, so so que- question number one. So we yep. we sent you a list of ten trends that uh, that that we came up with. Yep. And I'm interested to know, uh, like, as you and you've you've already taken the time to 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 kind of, uh, you know, scan through the list. Which one of I guess first off, which one of those just jumps out at you as being wow? This is this is kind of the biggest trend right now for the for the accounting profession. Um, like the one that just has the most buzz, the most the you know the the stories that are getting the most airtime. I feel like I think the the talent question. The mm-hmm. I think I think that's probably the one that you hear. That's the that's the one that I think firms like to talk about the most. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of like they're always out there, kind of saying, "Hey, come work for us because you know we have great work life balance, and you can walk on a treadmill while you're auditing." And <laughs> all these, I mean. Uh-huh. I think talent is something that, you know, the firms would say is the biggest issue. I mean, it's it's because it seems like there's just by somehow there has become an enormous shortage of accountants and I'm sure someone smarter than me knows why, but there's just never enough of these people. And so I think talent is probably the biggest issue. Now, are you are you saying cuz it sounds like you came at it from the perspective of a large firm. Is that a large yeah. firm issue? What about a small firm? Because mm-hmm. eighty to ninety percent of all firms in the U.S. are just one person or maybe a helper. Actually, I would say that. Is it a so small funny. firm issue? I think it is. I, I I'm actually talking to um, a reporter from the Denver Business Journal later this morning, um, who is asking me about this particular issue, where she's writing a story about the shortage of accountants in the, in the Denver marketplace. And um, so it's not just affecting big firms. It's definitely affecting firms of all sizes. So right. what, what will be the result? I mean, it, does it also relate to baby boomers retiring and not enough people to fill their shoes? Is that going to be an issue in 10 years? Um, I think so. I think like the what's interesting is the numbers – one, two, and four, I think, are all pretty much related. Okay. And one, two, and four, being mergers and acquisitions, retirement, yes. and one, one is mergers and acquisitions. Two is retirement and succession, and three is is hiring new talent. Uh, so, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I think so, you're right. I think those are those are uh, because new talent those could be your successors. Another yep. succession plan is to get acquired by another company, and right. everybody needs new talent. Right. And I think in a, 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 a smaller firm partner that I know well, who I won't, should I name? I don't know if I'll name him. No, probably uh, not. Probably not. 
Um, but he's a partner at a at a at a, a, a decent sized firm, not a not a big firm, but by no means a small firm. Ken Davis's and, firm is, you know, it's reasonable size. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but anyway, um, he's uh, he's a young partner, and a lot of the partners in his firm are older and are going to re- be retiring or are retiring, and he doesn't know what his future at that firm is going to be. Because the, the, the possibility of an acquisition is a very real thing. And he's kind of, he's kind of got a unique situation, but um, he, he's, he's not sure if there will be a place for him at that, at, if they were to be acquired, if he's not sure there would be a place for him. So, so. Can, can we stay on this issue for a few yeah, minutes? The, sure. Yeah, this, there's a lot to this issue. Okay, I've, so Caleb, maybe you've heard this, Greg, maybe you've heard this. The issue you just talked about, this is a succession planning issue, right? So you got a board of, let's say, 10 partners, and they're all, you know, obviously the same age because they're kind of kind of joined the, the firm at the same age. The firm's they're, 40. They're bros. They're bros, and so they're right. all about to retire. Their succession plan that the consultant helped them build is to bring in some younger partners. And mm-hmm. any time I've talked to that younger partner, they go, whoa. This is not what I thought it was. I want to change things up, which is uh, what they told me they wanted me to do, and they yeah. ain't going to let me do that. And now they all want their money out of it because they're going to retire. Yep. They're going to be acquired, and I never planned on being acquired. I was going to lead the firm and change it. Right. And it was going to be wonderful. Now I don't even know if I'm going to have a job in the middle of its acquisition because yeah. I'm a non-voting partner. No, that's, I mean... Problem, big problems and all that. Huge, huge problem, huge problem, Mm -hmm. because these these guys, I mean, the the consolidation um, in kind of the top 50 firms is just going gangbusters right now. Like yep, the, right. the the M&A, the, the M&A advisors out there are just, they're just making money hand over fist because all these firms, I don't know if it's a, I don't know if it's kind of a um, if they if they if they fall out of a top whatever the number is top ten top twenty, uh, but if they get if there's an insecurity complex, it's like oh well we're not a top ten firm anymore, so let's go find someone to merge with, and then we'll be back in the top ten again. I mean, but what's what's strange is that then your partner equity stake gets diluted, right. and you've got then then you've got a whole new pool of colleagues. For better, or for worse, and it, right. it, it, and the old guys are cashing out, right? right? The equity guys are cashing out, and yeah, you're. It's kind of, it's, it's a pretty. Um, I don't want to use the word disruptive because we'd like to save that for real disruptive things, but <laughs> it is. It's, it's disruptive to individuals, I, to lots of individuals. I would say. Hmm. What, would you? Okay, let me ask you this: What if a, you know. A, a Gen Xer like us, I think all three of us are probably considered Gen Xers, maybe. What if a Gen Xer came to you, Caleb, and said, hey, man, this uh, I've been working at this firm for five years. They they all sat me down and said, yep. we want you to lead the firm into the future. I mean, I peed my pants. I was so excited. And so right. I'm thinking about signing on with these homies. They're promising yep. me some big things in the future. What, I mean, how would you counsel him? Maybe you wouldn't go run for your life, but maybe, <laughs> maybe you would counsel him with a little bit of wisdom. I mean, what would like that, that, that guy might be listening to our podcast right now. I wonder what we might right. say to that person to kind of help them make that decision. 
it's it's funny because I just read "So Good They Can't Ignore You" by Cal Newport. Good stuff, <laughs> and it is it is good. And if you read that book, and he doesn't he doesn't present this exact scenario, but a, several scenarios close to this. Um, in my mind, I guess it depends on what that person wants. You know, I'd have to you know say to him or her say, well. Is that what you want? Um, mm. I mean, what do you what do you value? Do you value autonomy? Do you value creativity? Do you value mm-hmm. um, freedom? I mean, it, it it wouldn't be as simple as like you said. I wouldn't Good point. straight look at them straight in the eye and say you need to run sprint away from this. Right. Like, <laughs> get the get get out. Yeah. You know, I would I wouldn't do that because I'd I'd really want to know what what he or she wants out Wait, of their so, career so you're saying you would treat humans as individuals i know I, it's such a radical Jeez. concept <laughs> freaking lefties <laughs> i know it's, oh come on greg that that was a closely that's a closely guarded secret my political persuasion is welcome, not known by anyone. welcome to obama's america <laughs> <laughs> well so but here's the thing does does that person trying to make that decision have the have all the information they need? So they've just been told they sat down with the partners, smiling yeah. at them, going, "And if you do this, we're going to give you you know five grand." They're like five thousand dollars. <laughs> it's like, so do they have the, all the information? Like, do we say, "Hey, I just want you to know what the future could possibly look like. It might right. be good, but." There's a lot of turmoil and trends going on, and these we keep hanging here on this mergers, acquisitions, retirement, succession planning, and hiring talent yeah. issue because it's freaking huge. Oh, right it's big! Now. It's really big. Oh, I yeah. would just want that person to have all the information they need to make the right decision because right. this could really upset them, their life, their family. I mean, big time. Hundred hey, J- percent. Oh. You- Jason, we get it. You think everybody's supposed to start their own firm. I want everybody to start their own firm. Why can't you people figure that out? That's the (laughs) best thing for every person in the accounting profession. Exactly. So, okay, so Caleb, you also get kind of an inside peek into – uh, into the other side, you, I think you get a front row seat to people who are considered the talent that everybody that all these firms are hungry for. Do you sure. think that the that that those people who are in the talent pool that people are you know the firms are beating each other up? Do you think people in that talent pool understand the the their value, and do you think they're leveraging that, or do you think they're just dumb knuckleheads fresh out of college that are just happy for a salary? Ah. <laughs> uh. That's so. It's that's a complicated answer. I mean, it's a PG show, right? It, yeah, probably yeah, PG, yeah, okay. PG thirteen. PG, probably PG thirteen. Okay. Well, the okay. So the, and, and I've already showed. I've already showed my boobs. So, <laughs> really so we're we're risking an upgrade. Yeah. Um, so, so the short answer is um, no. I would say I, I would say accounting is one of those right now. Accounting is 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 a is a career path that people are going headfirst into because of one primary thing I think and that is there will be a job for you somewhere when you finish school hmm. and if yeah. you're and if if parents are helping their kids 
um, finance their education, which a lot of them are. Yeah. They want, and this is this is not this is not an original idea from me. This is uh, I got this from a Wake Forest professor that I spoke to a couple years ago. He said those parents want a return on their investment, mm. especially at a place like Wake Forest. Yeah. A private, a private institution, but even if it's a, even if it's a state school, like I, I went to two state schools, um, and I, but I, I had to pay for my own school. But the point is, those parents that are making that sacrifice for their kids, they want a return on their investment, and yeah. so the pressure, the pressure to find work after school, like a job, and not just any job, a job that pays well, a job that has clear options and career path potential, like accounting. It's just, it's just hard to find a major it's hard to find a field yeah. of study that that offers the kinds of options that accounting has and so people look at that and they're like awesome awesome i am going to get a great job when i get out of school i am going to have a great career when i get into accounting whether i start in public accounting or whether i go work for you know ge or whoever and 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 then i'm going to be a controller and a cfo or a partner and it's going to be great i mean it's going to be so so great and so many, and the reality is most of those people have no idea what they're getting into. Right. right. None, right. none whatsoever. So they're right. making, they're making decisions on safety, potentially yep. security, security. security. Yep. So, so they're yep. making uh, secure decisions, but actually we believe the trends are like a lot of agile and experimental type business models is that accounting can also be disruptive and changing and agile and creative and fun, which yep. a lot of our travel firms are showing, but that's not true for everybody. So maybe they are making the right decision to be secure. I don't know. They might be, they might be, but I guess it, again, it depends on, you know, I think it, it again, I'm going to treat every person as an individual. Right. What, what do they want? I mean, when I was a kid, yeah. I, you know, my parents were working class folks. So, and I had a buddy whose dad was a CPA and, um, he did pretty well. And I, I thought, well, gosh, you know, I, I, I took a couple of accounting classes in high school and I was pretty okay at it. And I thought, well, this could be something, you know, and I kind of liked, I liked business in general. And so I thought, oh, accounting, this is going to be great. Um, and even before I got to college, I just, I, I made up my mind that that's what I was going to pursue. Um, and I, it, I, I kind of struggled, you know, when I think back on it, I really, I, it was, it didn't come as a, a natural thing to me. Um, you know, it wasn't, I didn't have this, like, I didn't, I wasn't, a, I didn't get great grades. I got okay grades. And then even when I took my GMAT, you guys are going to love this. When I took my GMAT, <clears throat> I, to, I, I scored high enough to get into Colorado State, which means nothing. <laughs> but, but, but Way I, to I, go, I, Caleb. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what happened um, when, I was, when I was moving recently, I, I dug up my – I found my GMAT scores. And I looked uh, at them, and I, I tested – so when I looked in the, in the quant uh, area, I tested in the top – you know, I was right in the middle, 50%, right? Okay. But then I looked at the verb and I looked at the the verbal and comprehension and I was in the top like 75. Nice. And so as a 23-year-old, I wasn't even aware of my own like where my own strengths. I didn't even know what they were. Yeah. Like I, I I probably looked at that and it's like, "Okay, great. I got in. You know, I'll get in. No big deal." I didn't I didn't even recognize that kind of the 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 anal- the uh, analytical, excuse me, analytical kind of thought process that 
that so many good accountants have. It, I really didn't have it. You know, I didn't have the natural aptitude for it like but some you, people. Have. But you know, I want people. Here's what I want people to. Here's what I want people to hear, though, is that accounting is now a place for the entrepreneurial, creative writer. Yes. Now, I mean, now that that's. I th- I think you do need some analytical stuff, but. I kind of don't do that in our firm. I don't do any of that. I do coaching and writing, and that's the stuff I want to do, and I'm going to do more of it in the future. So it's I, – I don't know. It seems to it seems to be safe to say this. Accounting is a different profession than what the people in school are being taught. You're kind of not being told the oh. full truth because they don't – the professors don't know. Right. Is that true? Sorry, professors, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's da- I, that's dangerous. It, it is. I mean, I guess it's it's one of those things that you don't you don't know when you're in school. You have no earthly idea about the 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 opportunity that's all around you. Yeah. I mean, I think what right. I yeah. I think I think what I took most from my education is is just kind of you know it's mostly business aptitude. Yeah. Like being able to look at a situation or looking at some numbers and saying, okay, this is good, or this is an opportunity, or this is a train wreck. You know, it, yeah. you can, you kind of, you kind of come away with um, some, with good business sense. Um, and, mm-hmm. and that, that has to be, that has to be learned that some people, most people don't have that like natural talent. Um, at least I don't think so. Um and I think that's the big thing that I took away from it is, hey, I can have, I can, I can like to write, like Jason or Greg, you know, it's, I, I like to write. I like to mentor or coach, you know, kind of like you, Jason. Um, and, but I also have enough business aptitude and business instinct that say, okay, this is a good situation or this is an opportunity or this is, this is a huge challenge. This is something that maybe we should not do or we should rethink. Very cool. Okay, yeah. so we're so we're we're running out of time, but and we've and we've hit one one trend. Well, we 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 put three trends into one bucket. Let's do a lightning yeah. round. We could do a lightning round. <clears throat> lightning round. Okay, good. Uh, What's the next one? BS, BS or legit or something? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, B, BS. Okay. Uh, uh, pricing instead of billing. Fixed prices versus billing by the hour. That's a legit trend. Cool. Do you think do you think there's an advantage or do you think it's just a way to uh, just two different ways of doing something? I think what I I am just getting into value pricing, but when I hear Ron Baker speak, I think he's right on the money. Cool. Like okay, I want to follow him. It, I'll follow him through the gates of hell. Come on, cool. That was the right answer. Good. Uh, virtual <laughs> vir, virtual firms. Uh, BS or legit. It's legit, but I think it has a long way to go. What do you mean? I think it's just I, it. There's a it's, there's an enormous unknown. I think that's that's the fear that Jason is. That if you ever see Jason present, um, uh, that's the fear that he talks about. People are just just deathly afraid of that idea. I think. Gotcha. I'll have to try to watch Jason present someday. Um, re, rebrand uh, slash design is. Do you know what that means? Yes or no. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know. Okay, really good. Niche. Next one, niche services. That's legit. Niche, niche services. <laughs> Shut your mouth. 
<laughs> uh, no, that's a legit. I think that's a legit trend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's. I think. I think it is too. The, uh, good. What What do you What do you see? T- tell me the, the maybe the top two or three niche services that come to mind immediately. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, I'll help you out. Firm specializing in tattoo work and artists. Uh, 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 there's <laughs> right. there's also there's also left handed Bolivian. <laughs> I would say <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I can give you one off the top of my head. Actually, I think I think um, I think uh, salt. I think salt practices. There's huge opportunity in that area, in yeah, my opinion. Definitely. Gotcha. State and local taxes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. So not, let me ask not you the spice. Right. <laughs> let me ask you one more. Okay. Yeah. This is another. This is one more, and then we'll have to be done. BS or legit. <laughs> Outdated business models, so moving to a flatter structure where people are more autonomous versus mm-hmm. the current models of you know patriarchal type manager, junior, senior staff. Yeah, is that a trend? Are we moving towards flatter flatter models? Uh, I would say that's a. I think I think that's a BS trend. Ooh. I don't think I, I I don't see firms adopting a flatter. I don't see them adapting more of a flatter hierarchy. I. I think uh, work experience makes too much of a. It, it kind of it kind of puts people in, I guess, buckets. It's like, yeah. and they have to. I don't know. Firms, I think, are com- too comfortable with the idea of saying, "Okay, you've reached this level. You get this label." Uh, interesting. interesting. Have you heard Have you heard the word holacracy before? That was a new one to me, and I didn't have time to look it up. With, right, because um, what it means is is holacracy. <laughs> Uh, no, we we can we can. That's a that's a trend in a new business model. We can we can post some of that, but it's it's pretty deep. Some philosophical stuff. Okay, right. we're we're out of time, man. We we could keep going forever, but Caleb, this is dude. There's we didn't even tap your brain at all, hardly ever. So, well, that's okay. I had fun. We maybe I could come back again. Someday. Yes, we would like yeah, that. That sounds great. That, <laughs> that sounds like a good fun. time. Okay, cool. but we and we are going to dig in a little bit more with with a secret stash. So, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna yeah we're gonna do that here in a second. But thanks, okay. thanks a million, man. You're a blast. All right, thanks, Caleb. All right, thanks, Jim. All right, another great guest with Caleb Newquist, man. He was. Uh, he was telling us what's going on in our profession. It's what we need yeah, to know, man. It is. It's always good, you know. Uh, uh, getting people in the me- in media, it's always it's it's refreshing because we're still we're in the same pool, but they got a different vantage point to look at it. Yeah. And I think that that's always insightful. So we're totally glad to uh, to to have had Caleb on here with us. Uh, if you want to get a hold of him, he's pretty easy to get a hold of. Go to goingconcern.com, check out some articles, read some of my posts. I, I have a lot more swears in there than the stuff I do for Thrival. So if you really like uh, written swears, that's a that's a great place to go. They um, uh, they let you write written swears on Going Concern. Don't, they encourage that, I guess. They, they do. Actually, it was funny. Uh, the f- one time I wrote an article where I like I had the word written out, but I put like a bunch of asterisks, so you like knew what it was, but it wasn't written out. And they sent it back and said, "Get rid of that. Put the, <laughs> put the, real, put the word. real swear in there, so people know like, what word it is." Okay, all right. It, instead of that. feel good. Uh, <laughs> you know, we want you to. We want to know what right. that f word. Yeah, that, uh, that, was. That, that, that word wasn't father. <laughs> So hey, coming up, we we want people to register for Deeper Weekend. 
Uh, yeah. We've already got a lot of people registered, so actually space is filling up. So if you don't register soon, you're you're gonna not be able to come because we, we're gonna have to take the registration page down because a lot of people are wanting to come this year. Um, you know what? You're gonna be there, and you know what? Caleb Newquist is gonna be there. Caleb's coming to Deep Caleb, Yeah, you know oh, who? Yes, Adam you know, Davidson. Adam Davidson's coming to to there. Uh, Adrian Simmons is going to be there. There's Tim a, Williams. Tim is Williams. The headliner. Yeah, dude. It's it's kind of crazy the people we're going to have there. I think that's why people are coming. So you need to do that. So Greg, how can people get in touch with you, man? Uh, people can get in touch with me on Twitter. I am at Greg Kite. Kite is spelled with a Y because my ancestors were extreme. <laughs> They're crazy like that. We're crazy like that. See that I? It's a Y. That's right. How about how about you, Jason M. Blummer? <laughs> I just thought of the electric company. The I I becomes a Y. Y. Or like that. Okay, people can reach out to me on Twitter is the best way at Jason M. Blummer. Holla. Thank you, people, Holla. for joining us on the September. Uh, Thrivecast. And holla to Avalara. Holla to uh, holla. our sponsor. Holla to Jennifer Blummer, Jennifer M. Blummer uh, for uh, being our producer and to Aaron Dowd for being our, our kick butt uh, audio engineer. You guys rock. We couldn't do it without you. So um, thank you, everybody. Next month. We'll see you. We're getting shit done.